0: Greetings, everyone. I hope the universe finds you well today. This is the Ego Coach Podcast, and I'm your host, Zay. I'm excited to be sharing a few of my thoughts and questions with you today. Specifically, I wish to discuss the id and the superego. For those of you who tuned in to my first episode, very first one, last week, we discussed the origin of the ego. And we got in a little bit into the self um, as defined by Carl Jung, but it was mostly focused on just understanding the origins of this theory and kind of a brief summary of the role of each part of the psyche. Um, for this week, um, like I said, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on two of our main drives that influence our ego. So the the first part, the id, um, that's our primal brain, our animalistic, instinctual, immediate gratification part. Um, It operates on the pleasure principle. It's impulsive, aggressive, impatient. Its motive is entirely based on fulfilling desires while avoiding pain. This is actually the first entity that is present in a newborn. Um, Before there's a sense of self, before there's a sense of the collective, the id is the primal agency in a human psyche. Um, In short, it really is just the animal inside of us. Um, An example would be, the best one I can come up with is a dog. Just... Vary in the moments. it will do what feels good, it will avoid what feels bad. Um, always just go in with its next instinct or desire. Um, paradoxically, the superego is on the polar opposite side of the spectrum. It represents the internalization um, of our customs or rules um, within our environments, predominantly our culture and family of origin, it symbolizes our internalized view on authority, um, the inner parent, if you will. It's entirely focused on how the outside world perceives us and aims to have us fit into our environment, even at the expense of our desires. Um, The first thing that would come to mind for me as an example would be a priest, a teacher, a parent, um, in modern terms, you might call it your inner critic, as the internal family systems theory would call it. So, um, why is it important to understand this? Well, as we discussed in the first episode, we are not individuals in the classic sense of the word. We explored the multiplicity of the brain and how these parts, though all within us and all part of us in their own right, they are sub-entities. They do have their own perception, their own methodology, and role within the mind. In the same way that although our brain controls the movements of our body, Every single body part is an individual and has an individual role, even if it may be similar in some respects to another body part. Um, The same could be said about the mind. So understanding these different parts is important as much like at the gym, when you're working out a specific group of muscles and isolating them to help them grow. The same could be said about, again, our, our psychology It's important to understand and differentiate these different parts before we can actually grow in them and elevate them to a higher frequency. So I'll kind of go into the dynamics of what goes on within the internal conflicts of these three distinctive parts. As explained in the first episode, the ego is always trying to more or less satisfy the basic needs of the id without pissing off the superego. Now, that's no easy task as the id and superego want very different things for very different reasons. So we'll try to pinpoint some examples of how to illustrate this. But when you find yourself saying, well, a part of me wants this. But another part of me wants that. That could probably be dissected into the id, the ego, and the superego. The ego is speaking on behalf of your id and saying, well, I want to do this thing because that will make me feel good right now. And I have no guarantee that with straining and going for option B is going to bring me any gratification. On the other hand, my superego believes that doing this will only bring me short-term gratification and will defer me from my ultimate goal, which, if I were to do option B, would be more supportive of the bigger picture I have for myself. Um, This could be as simple as, like, Your ego wanting to get into shape, but also enjoying ice cream. Your id doesn't understand with strength. Your id would say, like, well, life is short. Why don't we just go for the ice cream? We've been working hard. We owe it to ourselves. The ego might be sympathetic to this. On the other hand, the superego is chiming in saying, you fat piece of shit. (laughs) Um... You always do this whenever things get hard. You need to go to the gym. You need to look good. You will be more accepted by people. You'll be more desirable by other people if you are perceived to be healthier. Now, there's, there's a couple of issues <laughs> within that dilemma. Now, is it wrong? I I know right and wrong is a whole nother conversation, but is it wrong to eat ice cream? That depends. Is it wrong to want to go to the gym and be healthier? Well, that depends. And the reason I say that depends is because it really has everything to do, not with the act itself necessarily, but which part of you is dictating that act? You see, the superego and the id are both protective parts. They don't necessarily desire bad things for the ego, but they are stuck in their own ways, and the reason for their decision is rarely looked at. Again, the ego is stuck in the poor role of being the moderator for this. So depending on a person you know they might they might really have an overdeveloped superego which let's say is really really good at looking at the big picture the long term um avoiding you know slacking off in school really just focus on their future and and that gets them somewhere that you know that there's plenty of examples of that all around us people who you know get good jobs and are really focused on what they believe they should do versus just what they want to do um, on the flip side you'll see some other people that have a much more developed id and underdeveloped superego where you know their their my, their main objective In life is seeking pleasure and making the most of it while they can living for the day as if there's no tomorrow and they can cultivate some pretty exciting lives um, where, you know, other things such as shoulds and, you know, status and, you know, future plans are not quite as important to them as how they presently feel. This is where philosophy really does meet psychology, is because it's no one can say, you know, empirically, objectively, which one is right, which one is wrong. Um, I'd go on to say that only the individual can truly make that call. This is maybe it's not about saying, is it right or is it wrong? Maybe it's about asking ourselves, not what do I believe? Is what I believe accurate or inaccurate, but more how is it influencing my human experience on earth? My superego's beliefs. Now sure, those are the ones I were... I was raised on. There's probably some good things in there. Um, Work hard, right? It's not a bad thing. But what happens if I work hard just for the sake of working hard. What if I keep telling myself that I'm working towards my future, but the future I envision never comes? Or what if it just looks different than I imagined? I basically would have lived most of my life um, pursuing a future desire versus, you know taken advantage of the present moment and what was available to me just at my fingertips. Likewise, um, if I were to just kind of default to my id and say, hey, there's tomorrow's not guaranteed. I might as well just have a blast while I can. That's also a very reactive decision. It's assuming that we will probably die tomorrow. Even though we're disguising it as we might die tomorrow. Now it's true, existential, you don't know how long you have, right? But, um, if I'm just rewarding myself on the sheer fact that I want to reward myself, I'm also depriving myself from long-term achievement. From getting into what I call the arena, And I am still only satisfying part of my brain with pleasure instead of fulfillment. Now, the ego is very um, impressionable. The ego listens to our environment. It really does not have a choice. And once that superego takes form and takes power, if you will, in our minds... It's very easy to be controlled by our conditioning. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying everything in our conditioning is inaccurate, but throughout your existence as a human being, throughout the years, it would be, at least for me, I would hope that some of these beliefs at the very least got tested and that I could actually know whether I truly believe them or if I was just conditioned to believe in my beliefs. And that is a distinction that a lot of people have a hard time making because that is our construct of reality. It's what keeps us safe, or at least keeps us feeling safe. And A lot of this work really is not dismissing the behaviors of either your id or your superego and how they're trying to raise your ego. It's really just seeing if the structure is in alignment with, you might have guessed it, your higher self. And there's still a lot of debate about what the higher self is. But, as I understand it, the higher self is not finite it's not a dosage of knowledge that you possess or do not possess my last metaphor was calling it the universe it's your spirituality it can never be fully known or grasped so for me it stands to reason that a person living in their authentic self is observing, examining the predispositions of their conditioning, their wiring, in both the, the superego and the id. And maybe trying to decipher whether some needs are actually okay. In fact, I'd go as far as to ask, are any needs not okay? Is it the needs that aren't okay? Or is it the manner in which the id goes about in procuring them? You know, there, there are a lot of beliefs about their taboos, even, about sex. And, you know, I respect all of them. Everyone has their own perspective. Your id just wants the sex, your super ego cares in the matter in which you get it. Um, for someone from a very religious background, the super ego would say, "Well, desires aside, um, it's only okay to indulge yourself in having sex if it's when you're married." And that could either be a genuine belief or that could be a belief derived from a fear of not fitting in with your environment. So if you do live in a very religious environment, you know, your superego may reinforce this belief and to, in order to reinforce it, it might produce feelings of guilt or shame. If you even think about or fantasize about having sex, um, course this is just one example but I'm I'm hoping you're starting to see the paradigm in which the ego finds itself the ego is very susceptible to being influenced Um, every organism finds a way to get their needs met one way or another and when needs are not met intentionally they will be met by force you see, if, if your superego is very rigid around certain of your needs, um, let's say your diet, for example, when a person cheats on their diet, it's really because their superego is being overly constrictive. Instead of feeding those needs, the id, the animal, is going to scavenge those needs the first time that your superego drops its guard down. Which causes you to be basically in rebellion against yourself. And I guess a lot of the work that happens in, you know, my therapy and my life coaching is helping people reparent their ego, not from the perspective of their superego or their id, but really understand the rules of each one of them. Um... Understanding that you do have an animal inside of you that needs to be fed. And if you do not feed it, it will scavenge some things that it probably shouldn't be eating. Likewise, um, if you are not feeding your intellect, you know, your superego, with new ideas, you know new perspectives, it will simply just try to control your ego, belittle your ego... Uh, with old beliefs that it's it may not even be sure if the system believes in anymore but that's what's familiar and that's that's where people get stuck they get stuck in the same pattern they get their ego gets stuck at a certain age that's what they call the inner child um you know i was having this conversation with a client today about the age of their ego and they told me they believe their ego's fifteen. And the reason being is because that's when their, uh, superego really wasn't in charge in, anymore. Their superego wanted to control the ego. So it kept them at that age. And likewise, the id, that was an, that was a period of their life of a lot of experimentation and indulging in the id. So the ego is going to reflect In my perspective, it's going to reflect the time frame in which your id and superego were at their might, at their, you know, their strongest, if you will. So, yeah, another metaphor I use with a lot of my clients just because we live in the age of superheroes is the more rigid your inner Batman is, aka superego, the more chaotic and rebellious your inner joker, a.k.a. id, is going to be. And that they operate on a spectrum. The mind is always trying to balance itself out. It's always overcompensating. So the tighter you are on your perception of reality, the more ammo you're giving your primitive brain, your id, to essentially go berserk whenever it sees an opening. So what's the solution? I don't know that there's just one. But through practices such as mindfulness and meditation and journaling, I do believe it's possible for us to get in touch with these parts instead of just being blended with them. So... As an example, when my superego really flares up, and I know it's him because I find myself criticizing myself for not having enough money, for you know, not winning every single game in sports, um, for not being productive enough, anything negative. The observer in me, the higher self, isn't something that's defined it's a calming voice that essentially comes into the room sees my ego zay if you will i call my ego zay and sits with both the superego and the ego and i mediate i say, i ask the superego, okay what i'm hearing is you really want more for us you really want us to excel you want us to live up to our potential now how do you think that would sound to the ego versus um hey why do you keep fucking up why do you keep slacking off why are you always broke uh why um aren't you getting laid more why you know all these shoulds um and it's really the act of slowing things down and reframing and even asking the superego, hey, why do you feel the need to bully the ego? And oftentimes my superego does talk back to me and he'll say, well, that's how it's always been. And tell me more about that. Well, um, when we were growing up, we were the oldest and we had to set the pace. It mattered how other people perceived you. You, that was something you were born with. You had to be a good example. And if you're not being good internally, how can you be good externally? And this is where, you know, some of the deep work comes in, but explaining to the superhero is like, I understand that that's how it was and it was internalized. That was the reality. And not going to complain about it. That got me to where I am today in its own respect. But asking if in this next phase of life, do you think our ego could thrive, not just survive, but thrive if we were to speak to it differently? What would that look like? Do you think Mr. Superego, do you think that instead of being a priest or a teacher, you could be a consultant, a coach, a philosopher, where you're not quite as attached to your previous beliefs, but more so just looking for whichever ones will help us thrive, help us get to where we want? And when you actually deliberately give a new job to the super ego, you might be surprised how willing it is to take you up on it. It just wants to be useful. And if it's not getting direction, it will default to its previous setting. Likewise with the id. Um, you know, if I start watching TV a lot and I'm not feeling good about it, but I just can't stop. I just start binging shows, wasting time. Um, I, I do the same exercise. I invite the id, the animal, and the ego into the room and say, hey, I get that this feels good or maybe it just feels non-stressful so it, we fool ourselves into thinking it feels good, but what do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel relaxed. And I asked, do you feel relaxed watching TV? Um, Not all the time. This is where we ask deeper questions. Do you only feel like that might be relaxing because the superego isn't whispering criticisms in your ear? And then my id says yes. It's like, okay. Well, let's forget that the superego is a factor for now. And... Let's say, if you don't have to do something in rebellion against him, if you could just do something that's fun and you will be supported, what would you like to do? Well, that's when my id goes crazy, in a good way. He'll tell me, like, oh, I want to go hit up some friends and uh, and play pickleball or play volleyball. I just want to be active and have fun. Okay. How do you feel about that, Ego? Yeah, I feel like that would actually hit a few needs. Being social and being active. And it turns out my superego doesn't hate me being active either. Well, look at that. All of a sudden my parts actually agree on something when they let the self mediate instead of defaulting to their own territorial complexes. I know this is a lot to digest and it takes a little while to really understand the dynamic between the id, ego, and superego. Um, and as we go on in the podcast, we will definitely, I think it will become clearer. But a little challenge I have for you, whoever you are who's listening, for for the next couple of days, at least, try to notice the different parts of yourself. Which parts of you are activated when someone walks into the room? Which parts of you seem to be first present when you wake up in the morning? Or when you go to sleep? Which part of you seems to be making most of the the decisions during the day? Try to journal from these different perspectives. You might be surprised just how different they are. And as you cultivate that notion of the multiplicity and you understand the different parts of your psyche, I believe it'll be easier for your inner observer, your higher self, to contemplate decisions before making them, to understand your instincts and where they're they're coming from before going with them. And the more we're able to do this, the more we are able to depolarize the superego and the id and our ego is actually able to grow and evolve. So that is my challenge for you. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope that you tune into my next episode. May the universe be with you If you are someone looking to make a change in your life, maybe looking to live out a more self-led existence, um, please feel free to reach out to me at egocoachllc at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to offer you a free consultation and see if we might be a good fit. And if I might be able to help you achieve some of your goals, take care.